Hello, this is Chris Otwell. Sorry I've not released an earlier time frame. I've been a tad bit occupied with a lot of things, uh, not the least of which is, I don't know, I've apparently acquired a lot of bad karma lately. In short, I'm not going to Vancouver. Reason being, don't have the money. Reason for that is I got into a traffic uh, issue involving knocking over a stroller with a little infant in it. And basically, it's going to cost me a thousand dollars. I paid I paid a lawyer a thousand dollars to ideally negotiate the charges down so that I can at least keep my driver's license. Ironically enough, that's one thing that cost me a lot of money this month. Hence, therefore, I cannot afford to go to Vancouver, having to deal with a uh, a twelve point driving charge as well as a uh, careless driving four point violation. So. Nonetheless, that means I have very little money this month and pretty much broke. So no trip to Vancouver. I also found out last uh, about a week ago now, just over a week ago, that my uh, job that I've had for the last ten and a half months, I'm being let go due to budgeting reasons. So as of the end of this month, I will no longer have my current job either, which is going to put Philly in the doubt. I don't know if I'll be able to get me another job between now and then, I don't know if I'll have the money to make trip to Philly. Right now, I don't know. Of course, that all happens within a matter of like two days, having the traffic, having basically careless driving with injury on an infant, losing my job. And on top of that, just a couple of days prior to that, my uh, ex-wife got the judge's hearing for our divorce set for the 22nd of February, which happens to be the Friday of the Grand Prix for Vancouver, which also made Vancouver in doubt. Because, you know, no way in hell I'm going to let her go see in front, talk to a judge and get everything she wants without me having to say so in it. So, nonetheless, yeah, I'm just not very lucky, I guess. So this past weekend, we went up to Denver for the PTQ. I was packing my red deck with heavy burn, no no LD spells in it. Bradford packing dredge, Ryan packing, Ryan Samira packing affinity. Uh, the rest of our group, Kevin and Ashby, both had a... Uh, Green-white slide, or green-white-red slide. I think it was mostly the green-white one. So, in the end, Bruce decided to go with a Boros deck that I helped him build. Ironically enough, a deck very similar to that deck won at PTQ this past weekend as well. Uh, Patrick failed to show up. Shay showed up with Doran. Uh, we actually had an extra Doran deck as a result of that that nobody used. Dan Southern went up there. He played a, a Doran deck as well. Robbie Richardson played a Rock and Flow David Whitcaw, I don't remember what he decided to play in the end. We also had a next level blue deck with us up there. So anyways, the Springs Contingent went up there to the PTQ last weekend. I did record a podcast of it. I have not edited it. Between the two things I recorded prior to that and this past PTQ, I have roughly six hours of recorded material to go through and edit still. And it does require editing due to people cursing at various times. But I'll get to that when I can. I'm going to try to edit some of that tonight, uh, at least the, the big portion of it, the, the big portion about the playtest recording I did prior to the event, because that's a good four hours of that six-hour chunk, and has the most to be cut out of it as well. So anyways, so how did we do? Well, I was in contention going into the last round. I lost to Robbie with his rock and flow, because he completely surprised me by citing out his flows, and I cited more in my anti-flow, and I was playing red. In fact, my deck list was, my deck list for the BTQ in Denver that was on February 9th was 
four Grim Lava Mancers, four Blistering Fire Cats, four Curd Apes, four Tarmogoyfs, four Mog Fanatics, two Flame Tongue Cavus, three Tin Street Hooligans, four Rift Bolt, four Lava Dart, three Seal of Fire, two Flames of the Blood Hand, four Stomping Grounds, four Muta Vaults, four Wooded Foothills, four Bloodstained Mires, three Barbarian Rings, two Mountains, one Forest. I had a sideboard consisting of three Shadow Storms, one Tin Street Hooligan, four Seal of Primordium, three Fledgling Dragons, and four Tormite Scripts. Now, it's different than your typical red deck, in that I decided I needed more burn to beat more decks, and I needed more things in a variety of casting class. So, I decided Flame Tongue Deck Cabo was an experiment I put in the main deck to see if it panned out, because I know occasionally I could get away with killing some of these Tarmogoyfs that they had play against a red deck. I also wanted to run Mutavolts, so I figured it was probably the best card in Morningside. I really like it as a concept. I liked how it was playing out the, the week prior in testing, too at the house, so I went with it. I decided four meter walls was fine, but to do so, I needed to have a, a, a sixth uh, mountain-based card in the deck, so the four stamina grounds of two mountains dictated to stick to 22 land that I had to drop a barbarian ring instead, which was fine. It played, it played out fine. I was happy with the land base all day, with the exception of one game. I'll get into that. Uh, Lava Darts, you might ask, is the best two-for-one red removal spell in Extended, it catches so many people off guard because they never quite know how to play with it right. In testing, I kept killing people with that being my last point of damage. A lot of times I was getting two-for-ones on their creatures. It was allowing me to free up blockers so that I could swing for bigger amounts of damage throughout, throughout the day of the PTQ. Uh, in fact, I completely wrecked uh, a, uh, one player because of it, who was the mirror match, in fact, because I had a lot of darts and he did not. It allowed me to kill Grim Lava Mancers and Mob Fanatic so I can play my Grim Lava Mancers, etc. Plays the Blood Hand, it paid off big, paid off huge. It allowed me to beat a Scepter Chant deck that I ended up playing against. Now, what I would change based on the... Well, in the, in, I, was going, I was in contention going into the last round. I lost three of my last four rounds, but I had like a 68% tiebreaker almost. So, going into that last round. The last round I lost to a Battle of the Woods deck, played by Connolly Woods, who's historically among the top 100 DCI-rated players in the U.S., and has been the world on several occasions because of invites, as well as nationals. He came in, uh, he also top-aided at the uh, Grand Prix of Denver about a year ago. I mean, uh, Detroit, not Detroit, Denver, blah, 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 blah. Grand Prix Dallas about a year ago. But that's a podcast for another day. Needless to say, I could have placed probably in ninth place if I would have won the match against Battle of Wits, and the guy I lost to was playing what I will now refer to as Denver Junk. It's up on the website for Watsi. You can go look at it. Yes, it is that deck that's running Teague's and Kataki's main deck with Armadillo Cloak's main deck and did win the PTQ in Denver. And we'll refer to that now. That deck now is junk. All right. Speaking of extended. Now, it's come to my impression over the last two weeks, three weeks of testing that Dredge, it's a big ten, ten, ten gorilla. People don't know how to sideboard against it. People aren't willing to dedicate 8 to 10 sideboard slots to stop one deck. And as a result, it really is the best deck in this format. The most powerful deck. It'll win 90% of your game ones. The only decks that can beat it game one are those that know how to have a main deck answer to bridge. I.e. like red deck where I have Mog Fanatic and Lava Darts to kill my own Lava Mancers if I had to. Or Tin Street Hogan's if I had to to take out bridges. Now in the end... I think the Flame Tongues were good in my deck. If I were to make any changes to that deck, at this point I'd be adding back another Flame Tongue 
I would probably move the string screech hooligans to the sideboard, even though I know Affinity is on the uprise. And I would add another Flames of the Blood Hand to the main deck. And another Seal of Fire to the main deck. That'll round out and solidify the burn. It'll solidify the creature base. I liked how the heavier creature base played out, and I liked the heavier burn city to normal decks run. And in this case, uh, going with both of those, Trinsky Hooligans are good, but they're not super good at two mana as just a 2-1 beater. They did pay off as a beater and as a blocker, but not quite as good. So they would be moved to the sideboard. Uh, the Fledgling Dragons on the sideboard did win me a match. They also won me, they actually won me, they, they won me a game versus the Junk deck, and they won me a match versus the Mirror, but with the bigger burn suite, you could win the match in the Mirror, and I think you could put the Team Street Hogan's all on the sideboard, so that the new sideboard would be um, four Seal of Armodiums, four Tormite Scripts, four Tin Street Hogan's, and uh, three Shattering Storms, because you're going to want to deal with uh, Affinity effectively, so you really need a big sideboard against Affinity. You need a big, need a decent sideboard against Dredge. It is, Dredge is the big 10-ton gorilla. It is the best deck in the format. It is a deck that's very hard to beat. You have to, in this case, you have to be able to Lava Dart, your Grim Lava Master, or Mock Fanatic, your Bridges. Any deck that can deal with Tarmogo, of the Dredge main deck by killing Bridges doesn't necessarily win you the game. Um, experience has now shown that not only do you need a way to kill the Bridges, but you also need a way to stop them from Dread returning either a large Golgari Grave Troll or a, a Chroma. Now, in order to do that, you need Tormund Scripts or Opal Snouts, which are amazing, but really only for a Rock player. Or Leylons of the Void, which are good, but they're good, but I, I just don't like them as much as I do Crypts because I don't like being stuck with them in hand, and, I, and I'd rather not Mulligan if I don't have one, necessarily. Now, the, the deck that was dominating our practice sessions... For the past two weeks, besides the red deck of mine, was actually not just, well, the red, the dredge deck too, but um, it was actually slide, green-white slide. In the end, I think they made a good, they made a good deck choice. They played in the extended uh, event Friday night prior to the PTQ, Ashby and uh, Kevin did, and they split in the finals. However, I think since that event didn't end until like 1 o'clock in the morning, they got home probably like 2, got some sleep, then drove to Denver at like 6.37. They got like 4 hours of sleep. I think in the end, because they did so well and they split the finals of that event Friday, that they didn't play very sharp come Saturday, and it probably cost them more than anything. That's one of the downsides. I actually played super sharp Saturday. I was happy at how I played. It wasn't a matter of me making many mistakes because I really didn't make very many mistakes with this deck at all, not how I did. Mine just came down to, to random bad luck, I guess, if you want to call it bad luck. One, well, one game was, one match was based on bad luck, and the other match was based on I made a strategic choice that in the end wasn't the right strategic choice to make, but it's hard to say because it was based on imperfect information, it was based on board situation, and my life toll being low enough that I had to take a chance, I had to kill a Maluko before he untapped and was able to get to the point where he could sweep all his land for lethal damage. So, because I did that, it ended up costing me, it bought me like two turns in the game, but it cost me the match overall. Because I, you know, you just don't know. what You just don't know what burn you'll sometimes draw. You just don't know how many turns you really have when you're on the defensive, but holding back burn is, that's on the verge of being lethal. And in the end, it cost me because I killed the Maluko. So, oh well. Now, um... Besides green white slide deck being really hot during testing, and the, the, the deck list was actually based on a deck list that me and Bradford had saw from researching forums 
it was actually pretty good. I think in the end I would rather have like an, uh, it was basically Lassadons, Eternal Witnesses, Slide, Renewed Faith, Wrath of Gods, Eternal Dragons, Degree of Justice, a couple of the other essentials for Green White. I think in the end though it was lacking Exalted Angel and it wanted probably another Eternal Witness, but that's neither here nor there. It, it was a personal choice. They decided not to have Exalted Angels. I think the Exalted Angel made sense. I can't argue with the results Friday night, so I didn't didn't point it out, but I think, however, ironically enough, is that heads up against that green white deck, I beat it nine out of ten times main deck, including three games in which um, Kevin cast or cycled out a a uh, lockdown hierarchy at least three times in the same game. So effectively, I beat three games where he was at 32 life with my red deck. So I was feeling good about the matchup, anyways. Uh, Dredge, definitely the best deck in the format. I think the only the one big change that Paul made to his main deck is he added a wonder to the main deck, and in the end that allowed him to beat down with anything, be it zombie tokens or grave Golgari grave troll. And he also was finding ways as he played the deck because he literally picked up the deck on on Thursday night cold, played it for like two three hours, went home, got some sleep, then went to the BTQ with it. He plays top four. Why? Because he learned as he played it how to see all the outs. That deck is not for the faint of heart. It is a ton of outs in that deck. And you just don't always go with the, with the quote, default plan of making dues and going to Flamekin. That's not always going to win you the game. That's not always the right play to make. A lot of times he was winning. He won, as he put it, throughout the day, he never won the game with Flamekin. Not a single game he'd ever win with Flamekin. Why? Because every game, somebody, both main deck and sideboard, had ways to deal with bridges. So what he did was he found every other way to win a game with and on route to go 6-0-2 to make top four, or 6-0-2 to, to make top eight, and then win the uh, quarterfinals to, to make top four, only to lose to, to Mr. Super Lucky running junk. As of the 34th of February, we've now reco- I've now recorded stats for 34 PTQs to date. Those 34 PTQs have shown us the results of Rock, which includes Doran, Gifts, Death Cloud, and or Draco Explosion Rock, placing 61 top 8 out of a potential 272, or roughly 22.5%. Dredge, which has been on the uprise constantly, has had 40 top 8s, or roughly just shy of 15% of the total top 8s have been claimed by Dredge. Shackles Base Control, Next Level Blue, Mono Blue, Chase Rare Control, call it what you want to see it, see what you call it, basically Shackles Control, had 37 top 8s, consisting of approximately 13.6% of the total top 8s out of 272 decks. Red Deck Wins has now consisted of 27 decks out of the 272, or just shy of 10% of the, of the total top 8s. Games Might Get There or Domain Zoo has accounted for 23 decks, or 8.5% of the top 8. Affinity is now at 19 decks, or 7% of the top 8. And Dern Ideal is at 14 decks, or just more than 5% of the top 8. And Goblins are at 12 decks, which is about 4.5% of the top 8. Everything else is far less results-wise. It includes things like Desire, Blue-Green Tron, Blue-White Tron, Blue-Black Tron, Psychotog, Rock and Flow, Snakes, Intruder Alarm, No Stick, Threshold, Fairies, Wizards, Elves Ops, Opposition, Aggro Loam, a Ninja Crusher deck in Dallas, which is kind of interesting. Way different than what I would have thought about building. New Tooth and Nail, 
the junk deck, the boros deck, etc. Basically, of those seven archetypes, Rock, Dredge, Shackles, Red Deck Wins, Enduring Ideal, Gaze My Get There, Slash Domain Zoo, and Affinity, those are really, and Goblins, those are really all the contenders. If you're not playing one of those seven decks, you're not going to be effective in this format. You're not going to win a PTQ, likely, unless you have an amazing day or you're Mr. Super Lucky running junk. You're just not going to get there. You need to play one of those decks. Those are the best decks. Those are the Tier 1 decks. That's the decks that define this format. Though you can argue that Dredge is the only Tier 1 deck and everything else is a Tier 2 deck of that list, and everything beyond that, 6, then maybe Tier 3 or 4. But that that's an argument for sake of argument's sake. I do believe Dredge needs to have something banned out of it. I don't know how you can shut down that engine. There's no one card that feeds off of. You're not going to take out, unless you tell, unless Wasi decides to ban the entire class of cards, which all happen to be have the mechanic dredge, I can't see that deck being stopped, really. I just can't. Sure, it gets hurt by the rotation in the future, by losing Icarid and Breakthrough, and I guess that's just going to slow that deck down some, but I don't know if it actually stops that deck. It just seems like it still has the potential of being ridiculously stupid. So, we'll see. I know Watsi's not going to do anything. They're not going to make an announcement. I mean, their next announcement is actually on March 1st, which is which would not affect extended season until after the extended season ended. So, so there's really no point in announcing a ban of any cards in this format because they're not going to be able to do anything that could, could potentially impact the way Dredge is dominating this format. Though, arguably, the numbers say they're not dominating the format. It's actually a fairly diverse field with among six decks. Enduring Ideal, though, has been the hot topic as of late. It's been picking up a lot of steam over the past two weeks because it's posted almost all of its results in the last two to three weeks out of the 14 decks that have, that have appeared. Now, the best way to go about building a dredge deck, if you go to decktech.net or wizardsofthecoast.com, look up Paul Bradford's deck for the PTQ from Denver. I think, in my humble opinion, that that main deck is as perfect of a dredge deck as you will find. The only thing you can argue is it may need one more Dark Blast in the main deck, and that's up for debate, and the only reason that's even considered for debate is because of how Bradford lost that match in the top four. That's the only match where it would have mattered to him actually if he had another Dark Blast in the deck. He didn't. But typically, if you go look at that, you'll find the best possible main deck for a dredge deck that you'll be able to run. I personally like my, my variation of red decks after the changes, I think it's probably a very, really solid red deck. You'll find some very other variations out there. I think Plagues of the Blood Hand is necessary because it's a three cost, i.e. it doesn't get stopped by counterbalance very easily. It does four damage to the head. It's unstoppable. It does make it so Rock, rock cannot gain life during the turn if you so chime it correctly. And it can cause eight point life swings as a result of that. And they really don't like it when their Hierarch doesn't gain them the life that they need to be able to survive the next attack or two. Or it's just an outright great finisher at four mana for three damage, or for three, ma- three. I mean, uh, four damage for three mana. You can make an argument it should be Char as well. I can see that. I don't like the fact that this deck sometimes gets too low in life to make it Char. But if I had Chars, I might have considered playing with Chars. So it's not a wrong possibility using that instead of Flames. But because I did not own Chars, I tried out Flames and I really liked how that played out in the end against other deck types. Actually, probably better than Char because of the life swing in against, like, uh, high arts. Now, for Rock. Doran-based Rock has been going down in popularity considerably the last two weeks very sharply. Deathcloud-based Rock, though, has spikes in popularity like, like Game Busters. If you're going to go to a tournament and you're choosing to play Rock, 
I would encourage you to consider playing a Death Cloud based deck with only strict green black, running the Pernicious Deeds main deck, running three to four Death Clouds main deck with Mosses, some minimal creatures, good removal. That deck will be solid. That deck will win you a lot of matches. Now, if you want to go with the Doran deck, sure, go that route. You're fine. You can do it. Just make sure you have four Vindicates and a combination of four Smothers and or Putrefies in the main deck along with the the uh, six discard spells that allow you to get through a lot of uh, that allow you to get through a lot of the beatdown that allow you to beat affinity death clouds should be able to rape affinity with the right kind of draws unless affinity has ridiculous draws now for a next level blue or shackles based control deck go to the deck check.net look up to PTQ for Winnipeg look up Richard Headland's next level blue deck that deck is damn near perfect as far as the Shackles-based control deck. In my opinion, the only thing that would make that deck potentially better and only arguably better in some matchups, but not necessarily all matchups, is replacing spell snares with four spikes. I happen to like four spikes better. Everybody taps out in this format. It'll pay you off big dividends against a lot of spells. And there's not that many two-casting cost spells except in Mirror that you really care about other than Tarmogoyf. Against red decks, which are its biggest problem, you're better off with four spike. Against Tron decks, it doesn't make a difference. Against dredge decks, you want the four spike to be able to potentially stop the breakthrough. If you can stop a breakthrough, you have a, a fighting chance against dredge main deck in, in after uh, on the first turn. Spell snare doesn't do anything against rock. It doesn't do anything against dredge. It helps against the mirror. It's good against ideal. So it's four spike good against ideal to stop them from being able to cast their original ideal. Gaze might get there. Either one's fine. Affinity, Force Spike helps you out better. In, but in either case, you're going to sideboard out either Force Spike or uh, the Spell Snare against Affinity. In Goblins, eh, I'm not sure. Probably, it's probably Force Spike's better than that because it tries to reduce its cost to cast more stuff. And in order to have it go off, you have to be able to stop it. So I think in the end, Force Spike actually makes more sense against the best decks. Though Spell Snare plays out better against all the tier two decks that are not among the best decks, ironically. So if you go look Richard Head Richard Headland's next level blue deck from Winnipeg, you'll find, in my opinion, potentially the best build of Shackles out there. I would argue maybe if I were to change it is the four spike. You could make an argument for the four shackles if you want a four shackles, but you really need three threads of disloyalty, you really need trinket mages, etc. I think overall that deck is just fine. I like I like that build. In Durant Ideal, the I guess I would go back to the version Tyler Beckstrom used the second place in, in Denver with. Uh, he used, did use Orm's Chance main deck. I have seen versions instead of running Orm's Chance, they're running Fire and Ice and or Magma Jets main deck. Really, that's the only change you want to debate. Magma Jets help you against Teague and other Goblin decks. Uh, helps you find the stuff and helps you stop them from nailing the Teague. Orm's Chance stops the control decks from being able to beat you, but it leaves you open to being teagued out. The Fire and Ice can handle both situations. It's potentially more versatile against Goblins and Red deck. The ability to tap somebody's car uh, land there or, or top at the end of a turn so you can cast stuff also is useful. But if you're going to fight control with that, Fire and Ice is not as good as Orm's Chance fighting, fighting against control. Fire and Ice is potentially the same power as Magma Jet is against fighting other aggro decks. Though the ability to get a two-for-one may pan out at times, other times it doesn't. 
because really what you're there is to kill Teague and a couple other annoying creatures, in which case Magma Jet does a better job of specifically targeting Teague because it also lets you dig deeper into your deck with the Scribe mechanic. So I guess overall, if I had to choose any of those three cards, I would probably lean towards Magma Jet because of the digging power, though I still like the versatility of Fire and Ice against control decks. So I'd be kind of torn. I'd have to actually play with it, but my default reaction would be to use the Magma Jet in, in the deck list that Tyler Beckstrom used instead of Worm's Chance in the main deck. But that's pretty much pretty much how I build how I would go through the effort of building a, a ideal to win. Okay, it might get there. Look up your random five color zoo deck. Running as long as it runs four games, might get there. Four tribal flames has a variety of different creatures. I don't care for Jodin grunts though, but or, I mean uh, Jodin giants. But nonetheless, you can make your you can find yourself a deck list in that form that actually works. I do like to run mine with four Vindicates as well, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, there's no specific deck version list out there that I like better than any other. Other than I like, other than I want to see it with four tribal tribal flames, four games mites, and four Vindicates. So you know, go with that as you will. Affinity, the version of Affinity I prefer. I have tried Frenzy, Fatal Frenzy. I have tried Shrapnel Blast. I, at this point, the differences basically are: do you run? Chrome, uh, chromatic Stars slash Fatal Frenzies or do you run Somber Hoverguard slash Retinal Blast and at this point I'm leaning towards the Retinal Blast version being a better finisher it, granted on paper it, Fatal Frenzy does a ton more damage when you have Cradle Plays out there but with so much rock in this format right now and so much Doran still available and Putrefies and Predicious Deeds I think the Retinal Blast is actually a better Situational card in this case, in most matches, than say the Fatal Frenzy, uh, Kick in the Nuts type Rochambeau movies. So if I had to choose between the two, I would probably go the three Atogs with Shrapnel Blast. So and the uh, Somber Hover Guards, similar, almost almost identical to that which uh, Ryan Samira used in the top eight of Denver. You can look his deck up. The only thing I would change is I would drop one Smother, add one Shrapnel Blast, basically to the deck. And you can argue whether the Smother should be swapped for anything else. That's up to you. The goblin decks that I like are pretty much almost all mono red with main deck blood moons. So goblin bidding decks, I have not seen a goblin bidding deck that version yet. I've liked though. I've tried to help Dan Kaufman make one better for his uh, his trip down to the New Mexico PTQ, assuming he doesn't go to the Utah PTQ this weekend. But in the end, I think the mono red goblins are just slightly faster, and the ability to go chrome mox blood moon to shut out your opponent's ability to cast spells at all this game. In, on turn two, probably win you far more great games than, than a bidding will cause you to come back for the for the big win at the end. Um, bidding is still good, but I don't think it's that good in the current format because of all the uh, because of really Blood Moon because of all the dual lands out there. Blood Moon's just a strong such a strong card in that deck. I do not like the versions that have the one Pyromancer in it. I don't think it's necessary. I can see the point, but I don't think it's good enough. I do like having the the goblin-based regrowth spell stuck in there, or wart, either or. But if you go with the goblin-based regrowth, I think you're okay. At the same time, though, you have to justify it in the blood moon deck, and that's kind of hard to do. So I'd probably exercise away from that for that reason, because I think the blood moon in the goblins is better, and the goblins can go ridiculous as is. Now I'm surprised though at all the popularity of the goblin decks that dark that the uh, dark kitty or the Kennedy goblin deck hasn't reared its ugly head yet. It seems like that that would be the the default version of goblins out there, that, but it isn't. Instead, it's just a mono red one. 
So, so basically, if you're looking for the Goblin deck, go to deckcheck.net, look up the the Baltimore PTQ for Jarvis Yoon. Jarvis U, Baltimore PTQ, or you can look on Watson's website for the Baltimore PTQ, but Jarvis U, I like the fact he has a double sharpshooter. I like his basic card, his basic deck there. The only thing I would like to see main deck would be the removal of the Sin Street Hooligan and the inclusion of Blood Moons as opposed to a couple of something else. But pretty much, that's, that's basically the structure of the deck you want to use. He also makes use of Pendle Haven, which is kind of nice in a Goblin deck. It's something else I also tried to talk David into, or Daniel, I mean, to add into his Goblin deck yesterday. Alright, well, hopefully I'll get my life straightened out someday. Hope. Right now I'm looking for a, a new job, basically. Uh, preferably in the Colorado area. If I have to move out of state, I'm not opposed to it. I just don't want to live anywhere in a rainy climate, per se, or a hot, humid climate, per se. So I'd be looking for someplace up in the, uh, either in the northeast or the northwest, midwest area. If I go south, it'll probably be towards Phoenix direction or towards Dallas's direction. But all right, now I'm going to be looking around to find me a job here first and foremost around Colorado Springs, preferably at Schriever, because that's where I've been the last ten and a half years. If not there, then other places in the Springs, and if that fails, then Denver, Boulder, Inglewood, Thornton, they all become options, and if that doesn't work out, then I guess I'll be looking for someplace out of state, so hopefully I can not have without a job for too long, but I do have another two weeks in coverage left to my current job, so anyways, uh, hope this particular extended related topic issue uh, episode is useful. I will get myself edited from the previous stuff, so you'll have the cover the round-by-round coverage of the PTQ. You'll have the playtest sessions with me and the crew. You'll also get the trip to Phoenix PTQ that took place a few weeks ago um, that we had a podcast made from as well. So there's actually two PTQs, Denver and Phoenix, that I need to edit still. Hopefully I can uh, get that done soon and get that up within the week, at least some of it. All right, this is uh, Otwell signing off.